0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Three receivers to the top of your screen on a second down at 10. And they give it off. On the ground is Sheets, and Corey Sheets is into the secondary. Down the sideline he goes. Sheets might take it the distance. He's gone. Welcome, everybody, to the first of a series of episodes that we will be running this Purdue football season on the Behind the Rails podcast brought to you by the Believe Football Network. My name is Travis Miller. I am the site manager at hammerandrails.com, and our guest this season, co-hosting with me, talking Purdue football all season, is Grey Cup MVP, number two all-time leading rusher at Purdue, all-time Purdue touchdowns leader. He has all kinds of records one of the greatest players in purdue football history mr cory sheets how are you Corey?
0: hey how you doing how you doing <laughs> going on everybody i was trying to give you a pretty good
1: intro there uh obviously lots of our fans very familiar with your work uh one of joe tiller's best players really one of the best players of all time it was an honor to watch you play for four seasons and uh just it was great to have you here as a guest in uh Kind of, kind of talk to our listeners here. Just to introduce yourself. What you've been doing since uh, your career ended, uh, both at Purdue and then in the CFL, where you had a lot of great success with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and great Cup MVP. I mean, that's really, really impressive.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a uh, that was quite an intro. I'm going to say that as far as intros goes, that was a pretty good one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm excited to be here, and uh, I can't wait to to talk Purdue football all season long it's been a while since I like focused in on the season I would catch him like here and there watch a few guys when I would hear names pop up but uh this season I'm gonna be paying real close, close attention so I can't wait I'm excited that's good that's good
1: I, I like hearing that um do you have any kind of relationship with the current coaching staff Have they asked you to come back for any games or anything like that
0: um no I've been been quite a hit hiding under underneath the rock the past few years but uh I've been been trying to peek my head out, and I'm actually trying to go to Purdue next week. So uh, maybe we'll get a show up there. Maybe I practice or something. (laughs) Now, are you still in Connecticut?
1: I know that's where you're from.
0: Oh, no. I live in Tampa, Florida.
1: Ah, Tampa, because I I know Purdue's second game of the season is at UConn, uh, up in where you grew up and everything. And I've got a cousin that uh, is from that area, too, lives in Colchester. So didn't know if you were going to be in the area for that game, too. I thought it was a home game. No, no, UConn's on the road this year.
0: Oh, wow, so I might I might miss them then. Yeah, because... Uh, I might have figured that out. Yeah, <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it said uh, Purdue home. I was kind of excited because I'm going to be in Indiana next week, so I was hoping I can get out there, but they might be in the air by the time I get there.
1: <laughs> now that this week they are at home against Oregon State, and then the following two weeks they are on the road at UConn and Notre Dame. It's the really, really rare. They have two non-conference games away from home, so...
0: Yeah, especially just early in the season. Yeah. You try to split those. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. So, uh, as we're preparing for the season here, um, obviously, you know a lot more about coming out of training camp, about getting ready for that first game of the year. You did it four times in four years. Just what's that like, really, with uh, those expectations and everything else, just the atmosphere around the program and whatnot?
0: I mean, when you first get into training camp, it's more so trying to build that camaraderie and get that, that team factor and make sure that everybody knows that the guy to the left or the right can can take care of their business and then you're going to take care of yours so that's that's all training camp really is just finding out that, that mesh factor and the, and the teams that come out firing in all cylinders they usually they usually mesh pretty early and pretty fast in training camp and that way they ain't got to worry about that type of thing.
1: And you were one of the rare freshmen that you came in and you were able to contribute immediately. I mean, you I was looking at your stats. You had 10 touchdowns that first season. And weren't you primarily kind of the backup coming into the year? I know, I, I can't remember if that was around the time we still had uh, Brandon Jones and Gerard Voight or not.
0: Yeah, that, um, it, was, it was Brandon Jones, Gerard Voight, and uh, Jerome Brooks. I was actually fourth. And, and I led the team with, with ten touchdowns.
1: That that was pretty so impressive. And, and my model,
0: <laughs> yeah, my model was it wasn't how many times I got the ball. It was what I did when I got the ball. So I made sure when I got the ball, I made sure it counted because I was only going to probably get four or five touches that game. <laughs> well, <laughs> so
1: I, I think I got You got to make it count. If I remember correctly, <laughs> was it your first touchdown? You picked up a blocked punt or something?
0: Um, it, actually, yeah, my redshirt freshman year. Um. Bernard Pollard blocked the punt, and uh, I forget who was—I forget who the linebacker was. It's a picture actually a real good picture of it. The ball is coming down between us. He actually catches it, and I rip it from him, thinking he's <laughs> on the other team. I, I go like, <laughs> so we always joked about it. Like I stole my first touchdown.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you must have done that, like Ed Reed in that famous uh, Miami Hurricanes clip against Boston College, where he rips it away from the lineman and takes it like 85 yards to clinch the game
0: it wasn't quite 85 yards; more like 25 but i I got there in a hurry (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know who was around me it was my first game and like i said i wasn't probably getting the ball too many times on offense i was like man look the ball's in the air i gotta come down with i don't care who got it it's mine
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, and that's interesting that you say that You just tried to make the most of it every time you touched the ball. I was looking at a couple other things from like your Purdue bio that they've got up here. And I didn't know if you were aware of this record. You officially have the longest run from scrimmage in a road game in Purdue football history. When you went 88 yards in a game at Minnesota. I actually went to that game. It was one of the first road games I ever went to for Purdue. I think you got caught from behind at the one.
0: But 88 yards as a it was, freshman. In, and, it, was, it was the two. And, it, and honestly, that that play, is, which is crazy, I'll never forget that, because if you – you said you was at the game, right? Yes. You remember, I caught the kickoff before that play, before we came on offense. I was the return man. And Gerard told me to stay in the end zone, and I stepped out. <laughs> so that's why we was – that's why we was back there. Like, and I, I, I made a mistake and I went tried to go back in. It was like, no, nah, you can't go back in. So we got to take it back out. And it was just ah, like, oh, I messed up real big. So now I got to come back and do something, something big to make up for it later in the game. And it just so happened that the very next play was. Oh,
1: that. That's great, man. And I love, I love hearing about different plays like that. And it's just great to see that uh, you're able to still relate to fans with that. And, you know, you've had a lot of other good ones in in your career. I, I was looking at a couple of other clips. Uh, one of the other ones that stands out was the game winning touchdown you had against Central Michigan your senior year, where you dropped a guy with like this triple head fake and left <laughs> left him in the dust. And that was really <laughs> impressive.
0: Oh yeah, that was that was one. Of, I think that was like top. That was in the top ten. I forget what number it was like seven or something like that that week. It was, it was pretty high up there. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Definitely. So we can, we'll ob- obviously over the course of the season probably address a lot of your playing days and everything else. But let's shift gears a little bit and uh, talk Oregon State. Obviously, things have changed a bit since you were on campus and whatnot. We have this beautiful new football facility with all kinds of uh, perks that weren't quite there. Oregon, there. Susan,
0: yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's better than some professional teams I done been to.
1: (laughs) I like hearing that. That's really good. Teams coming out of training camp, there's a lot of questions around them this year. Obviously, you have more of an inside look of what comes out of training camp every year. What do you see Purdue looking like coming into this season?
0: There's a lot of questions I see as far as can the quarterback be the man and step into that role of I'm the big man on campus. I'm a starting quarterback and take his team to victories and not only the games that you should win, but the games that you got slated to lose by everybody else. And those are games I'm going to be looking for him to be, be the man and to step into a big shoes type of role.
1: Especially here right off the bat, you have Plummer. He's an experienced starter. I think they said that he's started nine games total now the last two years. And against a team, I should say that you probably are a little bit favored. I think Purdue's about a touchdown favorite in this game but it's still a really good test to start the season because they're a major conference team. They're the type of team Purdue is going to have to beat in the big 10, if it's going to have a, uh, have a successful season when you say.
0: I wouldn't not even, not even just that just to add to what you just said is they're a team that they got a lot of question marks too. They're, they're not really sure just because of last year COVID they were affected by them as well. So they had a lot of questions in offense and defense. So, it is a good team to, to start off. That's not a veteran team. Uh, they know who the starter is going to be. This guy plays this role. Is everybody trying to figure out what they do, what this guy does, and there's a lot of questions. So coming into a, t- uh, a game like that and playing a team where it's, it's shaky as well is good for a starting team like, like what we got going on.
1: Obviously, Oregon State's a major conference team. You guys kind of had a similar one. Your, uh, I believe it was your senior year where we played Oregon. Kind of how different is it? playing a non-conference major conference team versus a regular big 10 game where in the big 10, there's a lot more familiarity. You see the guys every week, you know, on film, on TV and everything else. Whereas this is really kind of a new opponent.
0: It's, it's usually games. You can make big statements because depending on who you're playing, every now and again, you'll get that right opponent. Is just, they're ranked Just high enough in the rankings where if you, you knock them off. Now you got TV games during the season where you, games who you didn't have so now people are watching what Purdue's doing if they go out and knock off a, a number 17 team that's just supposed to come and kick the behind so things like that is 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 a good stepping stone It's a good notch in your belt to start the season off right especially with Notre Dame coming two weeks later
1: absolutely I mean I I've kind of called this game probably one of the most consequential games of Brahms' tenure it's year five He's lost some of the momentum that he had over those first two seasons, albeit nobody could have predicted what happened last <laughs> season at all. Uh to so me. It, like
0: six or something like that. Yeah, I mean, to me, last season
1: felt like six glorified scrimmages, to be quite honest.
0: Uh man, it was rough on everybody.
1: <laughs> but I mean, I think it's a consequential game for Brom because a win really sets the stage, like you said. It opens the door for a lot of other things, some good things to happen, especially in week two with a, what should be a relatively easy win, whereas if you drop this game, suddenly there's a lot more questions, even with the UConn game coming up. Suddenly Illinois doesn't look as uh, you know as favorable of, a, of an appointment. Suddenly Minnesota doesn't look as favorable. Michigan State, Nebraska – those are kind of like the four teams that I saw. Is like, okay, Purdue really needs to perform well against them. And if they can't perform well against Oregon State, I don't know if they can perform how well they're going to be able to perform further down the road against those type of
0: teams. I mean, you can answer a lot of questions with a win. You can ask a lot more with a loss. So <laughs> it, I think I think this is one of those games where they can set their season off or start the season off right, or they can start off on a bad note. Because I know – Going into when we used to play Notre Dame, Owen, Owen, and whatever. I mean, Owen, whatever, sounded way worse than two and in zero. They're going into the going into Notre Dame game with two wins opposed with just one, and splitting is a lot more. Uh,
1: <laughs> and you and you got to see really a couple of different Notre Dame teams. I know you got to see some pretty good Notre Dame teams. I think they were in the top. 10 or 15 uh your senior season and then you got to see really the worst Notre Dame team of all time in 2007.
0: I don't even remember that. Was that the home game or did they come to us? Uh
1: 2007 that was uh at, at home and it was the Notre Dame team that officially started the season I think like 1 and 8 and they, oh, wow. they were just they were real bad. I, I remember we kind of you guys kind of slept walked past them. I think we won by two touchdowns, but it was just... You we were beating my home, right? Yeah, I believe to date that is the last time we've beaten Notre Dame was 7 Oh, wow. Yeah, now they've been off the schedule the last <laughs> six or seven years, but still. Oh, yeah, that will count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it really also kind of feels a little bit similar to your senior year with that Oregon game where Purdue ended up losing a really competitive, really fun game to watch. Yeah against Oregon in double overtime. And like you said, a win can really set you up for the season, whereas that loss seemed to, you know, it, it was almost a little bit deflating. And now I know there were other factors like Curtis Painter got. Be honest
0: with you, it wasn't even, it wasn't even so much taking that loss because we were so slighted to lose that game. So like by so much to take him in a double overtime and to have a wrong call on offense to where we don't score. That's why we lose <laughs> 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 opposed to you calling a different play and then we, we go and win. But I don't think that game really hurt us as much as it looked like it did because in, in, inside the locker room, not with the coaching staff inside the locker room, it was like, we looked at each other and it was like, I right, in tough situations, I can look to you and depend on you to, to make a play. And it showed, later in the season when we came up through all of that nonsense that happened that year. <laughs> <laughs> no. and it, was, it always came down to a certain situation If we just made one different call or made a play or didn't make a play. That's what happened with that game.
1: And it's interesting that you mentioned that because that really see, seems like Purdue is at with Jeff Brom right now. They've had a number of really close losses I know in 2018 and 2019, those 25 games combined, they ended up losing 15 of them. Five of those 15 losses came on the very final snap of the game, be it like a walk-off field goal, an overtime loss or whatever. So this She's ain't,
0: ain't too much pain since I left. <laughs> There's always them close games, you win by one or two points, and you can always... Pinpoint the one or two plays is like man. If you make this play, it all changes. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: definitely. And so that's really where Purdue is right now. They're right at that cusp. And you know what? What in your opinion do you think they need to get over that hump and finally turn some of these losses into a win? Especially since, like you said, you experienced so many of those on your own.
0: It's honestly, it comes down to one: the defense believing in the offense, and the offense believing in the defense. And also in special teams. Once you, and I've been on the side of a winning team, it took a while, but I've been on the side of a winning team to where the quarterback throws, well, it didn't happen all often that season, but a quarterback throws a pick. It wasn't like the defense would be like, oh man, now we got to go back out there. It'd be, we run on the field, be like, hey, y'all don't sit down because we're coming right back out. Y'all about to get this turnover and, and y'all gonna be back out here to score. And once you start hearing that enough and you start believing it, not only does the defense believe they're about to go get a turnover, but you start believing in the defense to get a turnover. And when you get that belief in each other, shit starts to happen. And when shit starts to happen, the plays become a whole lot easier for the coaches to call. I, b- I promise you that. <laughs> I, I I believe it, man. <laughs> It goes from looking like this to, ah, we're going to stay over here and that's all we doing until they stop it. <laughs> so it, it, it's a, it's a trickle-down effect, but it starts with, believe it or not, it starts with the, with the team the hell with the coaches it starts with everybody inside coming together and being able to look Jake, hey defense i need y'all to tighten up your shit we, we fucking up over here but we're gonna take care of it y'all got us defense looking hey we got you and then you're going out there and making it work
1: that that's great and you know you obviously not only experienced that at the collegiate level you experienced that at the professional level i mean you, you did spend some time in the nfl but The CFL is still a really competitive league and everything. And, you know, you know what it takes to win a championship there. You went out and you won a gray cup, which is, you know, pretty impressive too.
0: I mean, yeah, and that's that was one thing that was in our locker room between each other. It was like, Hey, I believe in you. And also, if I see you messing up, I got the right to kick you in your butt. And you're not going to argue with me. <laughs> See, and that's, and that's what a lot of people don't understand is it's is not somebody cussing you out. It's you taking in that information and using it for what it is. And then going to apply what, what you got out of it. Nine times out of ten, you get that argument back. Like, who are you talking to? And egos come into play. And you take your ego out of something and get a message for what it is and then go forward. Right, I mean, good things can happen, right. and that's what one of the things that I say on my Grey Cup team was. If, like I said, if somebody was messing up, they would be like, "Hey, tighten your stuff up! Like, you, are you, you came to play today?" And then, no, you, you look at you doing. Look, no, it wasn't nothing. That it was, yeah, you right, you right. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm take care of business, and then that's what happens. You get that accountability, and you don't, you get to police yourself, opposed to having the coach saying coming to the team and say, "Hey, he's not playing well. You need to get on his case," yada yada yada. It's the team is taking care of the team, so we can take care of the team. Right, if that makes sense. Right, I mean
1: it makes perfect sense because you know the coaches are there in practice and everything. When the game gets going, it's the, it's the eleven guys out on the field that have to do it on either side of the ball. So
0: exactly.
1: I've watched enough football and I've seen enough guys on the sideline that the the best teams are those guys, these teams that have those guys that come together. And they drive each other in the in the huddles, and you see the guys, the players themselves, running the huddles and fixing things on the sideline, and not the coaching staff and everything else. And that's definitely something that you know Purdue can benefit with going forward. Really, any team can benefit with going forward.
0: I mean, it. it and this is later in the season talk, but if you can get to a point as a team and as a player to where you're when you're running off the sideline, say something's going wrong or say something's going right you're able to communicate that to the coach and then you as a player to go to the defensive line, offensive line, or whoever it may be, y'all make those adjustments and then go out on the field and go apply it without having the coach come from the skybox to tell you what the pitch is. This pitcher is saying this. You're actually – communication is, is a big thing. And a lot of – good, not a lot of – every good team that, that wins, that's a number one thing they, they will tell you is, communication is, is 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 key
1: absolutely and especially like you've said coming into this year purdue has a lot of questions but when you find answers to those questions things can really really turn around in a hurry
0: and, and easier
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> so as we're kind of winding down here uh just kind of tell me a little bit what you know about oregon state before this week and Kind of how you see things going this week and uh, Saturday night for you know again pretty big game night game under the lights and always excited. How, how many night games did you get to participate in at Purdue when you were there?
0: Hey, be honest quite a few because uh, they they used to bring in them big uh them big overhead lights and they they light up light up the sky for us. But it was it was quite a few games. My first one I want to say was notre dame my freshman freshman year oh oh five we
1: yes lost. yes
0: oh five we, we, we lost we lost that game that was my first bright light game it was it was pretty cool and how they got that old upper deck and all of that extra stuff i can't wait to see it yeah
1: <laughs> i mean it's it's nice seeing the permanent lights there i was really excited i was long been an advocate for getting the permanent lights there and it was just good to finally have them and it gives a lot more flexibility so uh yeah. yeah
0: especially with the tv games and stuff like that so
1: oh yeah definitely
0: i'm, I'm, I'm excited for this season it's it's, it's 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 i'm looking forward to it i ain't been excited for nothing in too much other than my son being born recently but uh i'm excited for this upcoming season
1: awesome so what do you think your keys to the game are this uh saturday so we can
0: uh get those on and then we can start wrapping up our first episode here Let's say for the offense, they just got to get out there, and start fast. If something goes wrong, don't panic. Trust in what the the game plan is, and, and and get in the groove and stay there. For the defense, there's a few guys on the on the, in the secondary that I'm looking excited to see. Is a, a lineman, a D lineman. I'm excited to see. He was uh out last year for a couple of injuries, so Carl he's office. coming back and he's pretty good. Yeah, that's it. I didn't want to mess his name up, so I said his position. <laughs> <laughs> Big George is uh, Big George Carlotas. He is
1: a he's a dude. He is a dude. I, I'm,
0: I'm gonna have to get used to calling him Man Big George. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> wait, well, yeah, Carlotas. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year. You know, uh, Purdue is, is famous for the for the D linemen. So absolutely, he can add his name to that slate to go up in there with the with the rest of the greats. Well,
1: excellent. Uh, definitely looking forward to this season. It's going to be an interesting game on Saturday night and uh, hope our listeners out there have enjoyed our first episode here. We're going to try and keep these around the 25 to 30 minutes each week. Uh, we're going to also do a preview each week in addition to a separate issue or separate episode, kind of wrapping things up from the previous game, try and get, uh, get them out on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Uh, we'll, Corey and I will likely record them both on the same night just to get them out of the way, hopefully. But yeah, <laughs> uh, it's been great having you, Corey. It's been great to uh, kind of get through this and get our feet whipped with the first
0: episode. And I hope you've had as much fun as I've had. Yes, I did. This was uh, great. I was kind of nervous at first, but uh, this is this seems pretty easy Talking sports.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been doing this a while. And anytime that you try a new show or a new idea like this, there's still... A lot of nerves and everything, but then I kind of tell myself, Hey, I wanted to do this as a kid, I wanted to broadcast games as a kid, and uh, I was never going to be a football player. My senior year of high school, I was like five foot nine and 130 pounds, it was not going to happen.
0: So, <laughs> we, had a, we had a DB that was around that size when I played it, he was pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't. Actually, so- actually, he didn't. He wasn't a DB. He was a re- receiver. His initials was DB. Oh
1: wow! <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, uh, appreciate having you on, Corey. And we'll uh, we'll get better as the season goes on. We got a. I think we had a really good first episode here. So thank you all very much for listening here to the Beyond the Tracks podcast. Is what we're going to be calling this, and we look forward to providing a few more episodes this season and uh, giving us something to talk about. Beyond the rails. Beyond the rails. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Try. That that was Corey's Copy idea, right, so I got to right. give that's him credit. <laughs> oh, that was that
0: was what I said, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. Yes, <laughs> it
1: was. But that, it's great to have you, and uh, thank you for listening. And uh boiler up, everyone. It's great to be here. At BTFU. <laughs> <laughs>